0: Amen. All right. Well, when I, was, uh, when I was 16 years old, I went on my first trip to a third world country. And I've been to uh, quite a few third world countries uh, since then. But I remember my first trip to a third world country. And then from there, in that country, we visited uh, several orphanages. And, and I just remember it just being uh, just one of those times in your life where you see these kids in the state that they're in. You see this country in the state that it's in, and it just it just changes you. You know what I mean? Like, when you see kids whose parents didn't want them, and, and you see the state that they're in, it, it changes you. When you see people living in conditions that no human should live in, it, it absolutely changes you. See, there, there are things in our life that when we, we see these things, we are forever changed. Uh, another one for me was... I remember when my my first son, Isaiah, he's now five, was born. You can imagine when you see your own flesh and blood child for the very first time, you are, you are changed in an, in an instant. I mean, y- you get this sense of privilege, like, wow, I can't believe I have this opportunity. You get this sense of, of just joy like you've never known before. You get this sense of, um, of responsibility like you've never felt before. You get this... this this sense of I have to provide like you've never felt before. And so you, you see this child and it just, it just absolutely changes you. And that's really the principle that we, we're looking at in this, this new series, Behold, that we kicked off last week. And, and the principle really is, is this, that there are things when we see them, they change us. But, but if things in our lives that we see change us, how much more when we see the Lord... For who he is in his perfection. When we see that, how much more should we, should we be changed? And, and really, the more and more and more we see the Lord, the more and more and more uh, increasingly changed we are. And so what I want to do is just, let's just start by looking at our theme verse that we, we really dug into last week. And we're going to actually continue to dig into um, some weeks uh, from now. But this is Second Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, if you... Um, Want to flip over there? You can. We'll always put our, our scripture up on the screen, and you can always grab a Bible on your way in or on your way out, and if you don't have one of your very own, please keep that. We'd be glad for you to have that. But this is 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, and here's what it says. It says, and we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And so the idea is that as we behold the Lord, as we look upon the Lord, we are changed, right? We are transformed, and it says we are transformed from one degree of glory to the next. And so every time we come before the Lord, we are just increasingly, increasingly changed. And so last week we said, listen, if that's true, we should want to get as many... Looked at the lord as possible right we should want to get as many glimpses as we possibly can i mean it's kind of like if somebody found the fountain of youth we would be swimming in that mess right we'd be all up in that place just just bathing and you know doing you know whatever we need to do i mean we would be all in that right and so if if the truth is beholding the lord changes you we would we would naturally want to be all in that but the problem is the the problem is that it's not always a refreshing swim for us when we behold the glory of the lord See, sometimes it's refining for us to behold the glory of the Lord. We, we come before the Lord and we start to see some of our shortcomings and some of the areas of our lives where he says we need to deal with that. I want to work in that. I want to change that. And so that's really kind of the principle we've been looking at from our theme verse, 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 3, verse 18. Remember, it says we are being transformed. And, and so that's, that's a huge, huge piece of this, that it is something that is happening in our hearts that in one sense when we see him we are forever changed our trajectory starts to go in this incredible path that we didn't think it ever would but in another sense we are being changed that hey tomorrow you see the lord tonight tomorrow you're not floating you don't have a halo you know you don't sprout wings right you're gonna you're you're gonna have this process of you are being changed as you behold the glory of the lord and so we have to get our eyes on him we've just got to get our eyes on the Lord. And so tonight what we get to see is, okay, really what does that look like? Getting your eyes in the Lord, how do we do that? And and, and so we we really closed last week focusing on this one word that has really kind of become the, the the theme for this series and the word is behold. And we saw last week that this this word in its original language in the Greek, you know, you know the Bible wasn't originally written in, in English, right? In the original language, um, this this word behold is actually a derivative of the word mirror, right? And so as you behold the Lord and you see the Lord, uh, some translations say you behold him as in a, a mirror. And so we no longer, as we're looking at the Lord, see our old self flawed and, and and just apart from him. We we look into him and we start to see who we are or who we can be in him. And so these these glimpses at the Lord, as we continue to look upon him, we just start to see a beautiful future in relationship with him, who we can be in Christ. I don't, know, I don't know if you've ever thought about the Lord that way. I don't know if you've ever thought about, okay, God can tell me the, 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 the new, the improved, the better me because he gets a hold of my heart. He implants his spirit into my heart, and he changes me. And so we look upon him, it says 2 Corinthians 3, as, as though we're looking in a mirror, and he reflects back to us how he can, can change us. He says, listen, You're my child. I got a plan for you. He says, you are my image bearer. You are worth more than you realize. You have been given the opportunity to receive the the righteousness of Christ. That's a big deal. Stop staring at your sin and shame and just give it to me and let me change that. Let me tell you who you can be in me. And so I think the problem for many of us, now that we know that, is that we're staring in the wrong mirror, right? I mean, the truth is, I think most of us, throughout the course of our lives, struggle with really staring in the wrong mirror. I was thinking about, it. I wish somebody would do some research. I mean, some of you are researchers. I know we've got a couple people that research at hospitals and whatnot, but I, I would love for somebody to do some research and just tell us how much time in a week the average American spends in front of a mirror. I mean, that would be, that would be pretty telling, you know, in terms of our priority, because, you know, I think. The truth is we like to look at ourselves, right? Be honest. You like to look at yourself in the mirror. You're, you're a good-looking guy, you know? And so you like to look at yourself. We like to look at your, ourselves. One thing that I really struggle with, this is so hard for me, I don't know if it's because I'm vain or, or what it is, but I, I have a, a, it's a really difficult time talking to people when they're wearing sunglasses that are dark because I can't look at, I'm like looking at myself. And I, you know, I don't know if I'm just, you know, like, sprucing up, or it is really hard for me to talk to people, so if you've ever talked to me and said, he's really awkward right now, it's probably because you're wearing, you know, your Oakleys or your Folklies, I don't know, and and so I apologize for that, but I I have difficulty with that, just staring at myself and talking to you is tough, Um, a while back I was was downtown, and man, this guy was, you know, we, we make a big deal about people texting, and and driving which obviously you've seen people who text and walk too, right? I mean especially downtown and they just about to like I was okay at the Orange Line, Wellington Station, there's this huge sky bridge that kind of goes over the the station. And and up there there's there's this long sky bridge and just they randomly place in the middle of the sky bridge these these huge metal trash cans. And people are all because it feels like it's a half a mile of, of long walk and people are always texting. And I love it. It seems like every time I go there, I see somebody just nail a trash can because they're too busy texting and just completely lay themselves out. Well, this, this one guy, his, the thing that he was doing that was so dangerous downtown was this guy was, was walking downtown. I believe it was the financial district, if I remember correctly. And so there's all the tall buildings with, you know, the, the tented glass and this guy was dangerous because he was totally checking himself out. As he's walking along, he's just, here's the glass, and he's just kind of strutting and doing his thing. And just I, I'm behind him, and it was a comedy show watching this guy just check himself out in, in the, uh, the building. And we like to look at ourselves, right? We like to, 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 to know about it. We're, we're, we're in a me-centric uh, society. We are... are, are uh, with, with me in focus, we are with me in my thoughts, we are with me always in my actions, we are in me, in my conversations. We're just a, a self-centered society, and we like to see or at least think upon ourselves all the time. But can I say that, that we best see ourselves when we get our eyes off of ourselves and get our eyes onto the Lord. We are to behold Him. And, and so I want to look now for the rest of our time in James chapter 1. If you'll flip over to to the right to James chapter 1, if you have a Bible, we'll throw it up on the screen. James chapter 1, once again, the Bible talks about a mirror. And I think it's uh, no coincidence that there are some really cool parallels uh, here in James chapter 1 between uh, James and and 2 Corinthians 3. Uh, The Bible talks about a mirror again here. And so uh, I want to start by just... Uh, looking at the illustration that is given here in James, uh, in verses 22, 23, and 24, and we'll we'll get the illustration, then we'll kind of back up a little bit to the preceding verse and the verses following. So uh, here's the illustration, James chapter 1, verse 22, it says this, maybe you've heard it before, but be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. So the illustration is that as we look at the word, the truth, the gospel, the message of of Jesus as recorded here for us, that as we look at it, we're looking at it, as though we're looking at a mirror. And so please understand that, that looking at God's word as though a mirror is really the same thing as, as beholding the Lord because please understand that this is the way God reveals himself to us. This is how he has chosen to, to reveal it to us. And so now that we kind of get the, just the illustration that this is like a mirror because God tells us, look at me here, Um, Now let's look back to uh, verse 21, the the preceding verse here. Let's let's read that, verse 21. Here's what he says. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your your souls. And so what James has been talking about kind of up to this point is he's been talking about trials. He's been saying, listen, life is Hard. If you're a Christian and you think becoming a Christian means that life gets easier, you're quickly going to find out you were way, way wrong. Right? The Bible tells us. Jesus says of Himself, "The Son of Man didn't have a place to lay His head." And so, when you're like, "Why isn't? Why? Why am I struggling to pay my rent?" Well, Jesus didn't have a place to lay His head. So, don't think that you know it's becoming a Christian doesn't mean that you know, your bills are going to be gone, that life is going to be easy, that nobody gets sick, nobody uh, has, has relationships fall apart, that, that people don't have pain and suffer. It happens, right? Becoming a Christian doesn't mean that it's going to be easy. And so James kind of touches on that, handles that pretty heavy. And then he's also been talking after that uh, about temptation. He's been saying, listen, as a Christian, you're going to be lured by, by, by the enemy. You're going to be enticed with, with all kinds of wickedness, with sin. It's going to happen. This is straight out of James Chapter one here. And now verse twenty-one he says, if you want to survive, if you want to make it in your faith, if you really want to be able to survive when the trials come in, in, in your faith, if you want to really survive when when the the temptations and, and, and all the, the the you know the flares of the world come at you that try to pull you away from the Lord, he says, if you want to survive, then you need to with meekness or with humility, you need to be ready to humbly receive the Word as it is implanted into your life, the truth from the Bible. He calls it the implanted Word, that God has put this truth, this message of Jesus, he's implanted it in your heart, but we need to humbly receive it. We need to receive it. He says, and if you do that, if you say yes to the message, if you say yes to Jesus, you say yes to this implanted Word, he says, then it's able to save your souls. He says, this is able to save your souls, right? He doesn't say it's able to save your body. He says it's able to save your soul, right? And so your body's going to fall apart and get sick, and, and never in the Bible does God promise physical healing. He promises that you can have the mind of Christ, but he says this is able to save your soul. So your soul can be saved as opposed to what? Your soul dying. Now we know that, that our bodies, you know, they're, they're going to go, right? And we're, we're, we're going to be buried, one day, right? We walk by, my son and I walk by up to the red box and we walk by this little plot of land in West Roxbury and it's this little cemetery and he always reminds me, Josh, the bodies are there. Dad, he says, Dad, the bodies are there. I'm like, yeah, the bodies are there. You're right, but they're not there. And he gets that, right? Because our bodies Don't last forever, but while our bodies are falling apart, if we have given our life to Jesus and received the implanted word, what happens? Our souls, as our bodies die, our souls grow as we behold him from one degree of glory to the next. And we grow. And so he says receiving this as it's implanted, looking at this upon this truth as a mirror, receiving it, it's able to save your souls. Now... Let's read verse 22 again as we had before just to get the illustration. Let's read it a little more and let's get into it a little more. Verse 22 says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. We'll stop there. So I think it's easy for many of us to say, Okay, yeah, this is simple. I got this. Receive Jesus. Receive the word. I've heard it. I've been there. I'm good. And James says, Christians, no, you're not good. He says, you're not good. You're not all set. He says, because listen, Unless you are living this, unless this is really changing you and, and, and your life is growing and being transformed, changed, if you're living out this book, if you're not, he says he says some pretty powerful words. He says you're deceiving yourself. In other words, you, you think your soul has been saved, but you're, you're not living this out, and, and, and so the reality is you're deceiving yourself. And... and Man, one of my greatest fears as a pastor, and I, I get to travel around quite a bit and, and, and speak to you know, kind of larger groups of people. And um, this past weekend, for example, I was at this, it's kind of funny, I was at this, this Christian rapper, <laughs> which the transition was hysterical because it goes from Christian rapper to the most white guy on the planet, right? And so I'm like, yo, let me tell you about Jesus, you know? And so one of my, here's my greatest fear as a pastor. One of my greatest fears as a pastor is giving people some kind of false assurance. That they think there's a white card in the bulletin, I checked it, I'm good. That they think I raised my hand, I'm good. They think that I, I prayed some kind of magical prayer, I'm good. Now listen, we, we call you to that. We call you to trust in Jesus and to make a conscious decision. But here's how you know if you really got a hold of your heart, is you start to see life change. You start to see your life, as, as it says back in 2 Corinthians 3, be transformed. Maybe some of you can think back to some Christians you're like, I don't see anything different. Nothing's been happening. But you can look back at specific people. And man, you look at them and you're like, man, they changed. And they changed for the better. It was crazy. If God's not real, man, I, something happened to change this person. So he says, "Listen, don't don't be fooled." He says, "But but If you're not a doer of the word, it's a big but, and I cannot lie. He says, if if you're not a doer of, you didn't get that joke. You get on the way home. All right. He says, but if you're not a doer of the word and you're just a hearer, he says, you are deceiving yourselves. Deceiving yourselves. Deceiving yourselves. See, it's possible you can hear the truth of Jesus. You can have somebody open the Bible and say you need them, and you can say you're right. I need them. And. You can agree to it, but he says that's not enough. See, becoming a Christian means not only do you make some kind of mental assent that, yeah, check, I'm good. Because you know what the Bible says? Even Satan and his demons believe that Jesus is Lord, right? And so you can't just say, yeah, I agree, and you're all set. But what has to happen is you have to agree and place faith in that. God, I'm giving it all to you. I'm trusting in you. My life is on you. I'm resting in you. Now I did this goofy illustration this one time. I was speaking at this like youth camp for you know a couple hundred kids and I freaked out a bunch of youth leaders. It was hysterical and I probably in hindsight probably should have maybe gave them some warning but I I brought a BB gun up on the stage and I won't do it here because I already learned my lesson but I brought a BB gun up on the stage and I had a kid um, or I had all the kids. I said listen, how many of you believe that And I put this balloon on the other side of the room. And I said, how many of you believe that I can shoot that balloon? And the kids were like, yeah, I guess so. You know, like maybe 50% of them were like, ah, I guess so. And I'm like, all right, cool. I said, how many of you, keep your hands up, how many of you so believe that I can hit that balloon that you'll hold it in your hand while I shoot it out of your hand? And like, you know, a couple of the, the, the cool high school kids were like, I got that, I got that. And so they raised their hand. I'm like, all right, buddy, come on up here. And then a youth leader's like, oh, man, i got to call this kid's parents, let them know that he got his eye shot out. And so I call this kid up here, tough guy, senior in high school, thought he was the man. And I had him stand right here holding a balloon in his hand. And I stand, stand like, right back here. I'm like, all right, you you really believe it? He's like, yeah, I believe it. I'm like, all right, this guy really thinks he's cool. So he's standing sideways holding the balloon. And I'm like, all right, if you really believe that I can hit this balloon, put it in your mouth. He's like, uh... And this, you know, this tough guy went from tough guy to he was legitimately scared, and so he's like, oh, okay, because you know the pretty girl that he met at camp. You know, he goes to Christian camp to pick up a girlfriend, and so he puts the balloon. You did it, I know. And he puts the balloon. I did it. He puts the balloon between. His, he puts the knot of the balloon between his teeth, and he's like, oh. and youth leaders are on the edge of their seat. I'm like, all right, I can't do it. I can't do it. I want, I won't do it. I said, here's the deal, guys, and to you, here's the deal. Which one is, is real belief? Saying the balloon's on the wall and you're sitting down in your seat saying, yeah, believe, yeah you could hit it, I believe it. Or you so believe it that you take the balloon and you stick it between your teeth. See, what he's calling you to is change in your life, not change that, that you have caused, but listen, I so believe I'm going to do something crazy. I'm just going to say yes to him and just do it, right? Just do it. And, and that's belief where you, you see it, you trust it, and it, it changes, it changes you. And a real Christian has lasting evidence. They become a doer of the word. They so believe that they take steps of faith. Now, let's read on. Look at verses 23 through 24 of James chapter 1. It says, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he looks like. So it says, for those of us who are hearers only, I mean, look, we've heard it. I agree to it, but nothing's nothing's changed. He says, "If, if that's you, you're kind of like a person who gets in front of a mirror and and you look at it and you you know you do your hair and you brush your teeth. The girls, you know, you paint your face, you pluck your eyebrows. Some of you guys do that. Shame on you. And and some of you guys, whatever you do, you know, you flex, you do the pectoral dance. You know what I'm talking about? I know, which we do, you do. And uh, then you go away. He says." you're like a person who stands in front of a mirror and then you walk away and you just forget what you look like. You understand that's Bible humor? He's saying that doesn't happen. You don't stand in a mirror like we do in the morning primping and doing whatever it is that you do to get yourself ready for school or work or, you know, Xbox. I mean, some of you guys just stay home, I don't know. And so he says you don't, you don't stand in front of a mirror only to walk away and forget what you look like. That doesn't happen. Because likewise, if you're really before this mirror, if you're really substantially, seriously, intently, as it says, before this mirror, you're not going to walk away and say, now, what was I supposed to do? What do I look like? No, this changes you, the truth of God. As you behold the Lord, it changes you. It changes you. Now, last verse, verse 25. Let's read it. Verse 25 says, but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. And so the, the perfect law that he's talking about here is this truth, this good news of Jesus Christ, because Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament law. Our Jewish friends, they missed it. Um, they were expecting Prince Ali coming in on his you know, on his, you know, white horse and royalty, and he came in like a normal human being so that he could relate with us. And so they missed him. And Jesus says, listen, I didn't come to abolish it. I came to fulfill it. And so when it says the the perfect law, he's saying the Old Testament law was not perfect. Jesus comes in, saves the day, lives the perfect life. He, he, he is the one who is victorious on our behalf. He is the perfect law, the good news. He says, i've come to do this on your behalf, right uh, the perfect law we look into that uh, when we look into that and we look intently into that, um, we persevere in it, not being one who just um, just hears it, but we actually act upon it. it says we will be we will be blessed so really here's the call to to all of us uh, is to look at this, the truth of Jesus and see it as as a mirror, and see it as an opportunity for us to see who we are and can be in Him, as we see who He is and what He has done, interjecting His power into to human history. And it says, this is important. It says uh, at the end of the verse that He will be blessed in His doing. Now let's catch this, because a lot of us are like, yeah, I, I yeah, I get it. I mean, I, I want to be in the Scriptures. I want to behold the Lord in it, and. And we have some good intentions, right? Um, But we don't. And I want you to understand just how much this is treasured for you. I want you to really get it. So let me just kind of give you a sampling of passages um, from Scripture that just, it's it's really mind-boggling to me how many times I, I go through Scripture and I just increasingly see Scripture that tells us that when you press into the Scripture, when you press into the Word, there's blessing, success prosperity maybe not the way you think of it, right? In our in our shallow mindset, but there's prosperity that, that comes. So let me give you a sampling. Here's Joshua one eight. You don't have to flip there. I'll read it to you. We'll try to get it up on the screen. Joshua one eight, here's what it says. It says this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Scripture shall not depart from your mouth. But you shall meditate on it. I mean really think on it right day and night, so that you may be careful to do all that is written in it. It says, For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. And so you see prosperity and success in the eyes of the Lord linked to the scriptures. Here's another one. This is 2 Kings uh, chapter 2, uh, verses 2 through 3. The first one was, was God talking to Joshua before he gives him just his great, great mission to accomplish. Now here's 2 Kings, and this is King David on his deathbed. Everybody thought he was just this incredible, and he was great. He was phenomenal, right? Uh, great king, great leader. And now Solomon, his son,'s got to take over. And so here's what David says, really on his deathbed to Solomon. He says, This. He says, I'm about to go the way of all the earth. In other words, I'm going to die. I want to be buried, right? My body's going to be there, right? He said, So be strong, show yourself a man, and observe what the Lord your God requires. Walk in his ways and keep his decrees and commands, his laws and requirements, as written in the law of Moses, so that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you go. And so once again, he says, he's speaking to us as as men. I like this. You want to be a man. You want to really be a man. Spend time here, right? Spend time here and and live it out because that's hard. That's challenging, right? Live this out, he says, and you will find prosperity wherever you go. Here's another one. This is Psalm chapter 1, verses 1, 2, and 3. Check this out. linked to being in Scripture. Listen, we're not talking money. We're not talking that kind of blessing. We're talking about the blessings of the Lord that flow from you putting your life, pouring it, saying, I I just want to look into this. I want to look intently into this as I see who I can be in the mirror. Man, I just, I want to plead with you guys to be deeply committed to the Scriptures. Now, we can't stop there because... How many church services have you been in, and you've left with great intentions, saying, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna. That's right. Yes, I'm, I'm going home, and I'm gonna be in this word." And so, our last verse here's what it says, verse 25. Um, I want to read it just again because there's something I think you really need to hear. It says, "But the one who looks into the perfect law." the law of liberty, and perseveres. Being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. It says this. It says that you are to look into the law. Look into the, the perfect law, the scriptures, the truth of Jesus. Literally, what look into means is you are to lean over and really get close. That You are really to peer into this mirror. What do you do when you have a blemish on your face? You wake up in the morning, you're like, ah! maybe more so in high school, you see this. What do you do? You lean into the mirror, right? Guys, what do you do when you're at the gym and you're working out and you're looking at your bike? You kind of lean in, right? You want to you check this thing out, right? You lean into it, right? When you find your first gray hair, it's never happened to you, right? Some of you, you'll find, right? I have three kids now, so they're starting to, right? When you find your first gray hair, you go, you lean in, right? You check this thing out. You, you want to get a closer look. And it says that, that we are to, lean into the scriptures we are to say listen i don't, I don't want to just kind of you know yeah i'll hear it once a week maybe i'll go to a small group and i'll hear it and say that's good that's good he says, i'm calling you to lean into it and then he goes on he says and persevere in it so he, here's where i think we really need to start thinking here because maybe some of us have even left a service like this and, and even gone the next step and said okay I want to leave committed to getting into the Scripture. I want to see it as a mirror, and I just want to, I want to devour this stuff so that I can be blessed, right, as, it, as we've seen. I want this, right? I want to see God in it. And we, maybe some of us have taken the next step and said, I go home, and I open up my Bible, and I really lean into it, right? That was me. I remember the, I remember the day that I gave my life to Jesus. I was a, just a young boy. I remember going home and jumping on the top bunk my bunk bed, and I was just like... No other little kid. I was just into the scriptures, leaning into it. But here's where it stops for, from there for I think so many of us is maybe we lean in, but that last piece, we don't persevere in it. And, and see so we have to persevere in it. And, and here's the problem. So many of us have good intentions, but good intentions don't do jack, Right? I mean, think about how many times we've left the church with good intentions, but we have no plan in place. No plan in place. You can't have just good intentions. You've got to have a plan. How am I going to persevere? Now, I'm sure just thinking through the people in this room, I know so many of you, you're successful, you're wise, you, 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 you really have organization marking your life. And so when it comes to, I'm going to build a house. I'm going to make a plan, right? When it comes to I want to retire, I want to maybe send my kids to college, i got a plan in place, right? When it comes to I want to get my degree, well, and you know the plan. I'm going to do this, 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 and I'm going to transfer. You have plans for things that are important to you. Listen, if this is important to you, if you want this to go beyond just I want to look into it, but I want to persevere in it, I don't want to just have good intentions. I want to persevere. I think we need to leave tonight. Saying I'm going home and I'm making a plan, I'm putting together a plan, and and man, it might just be so simple. I don't even know if you're leaving with like some wow moment that that was just like that was the big right hook and that just sunk the truth into my heart. Can I just make it simple? Leave saying I'm going home and I'm making a plan. I want to get into the scriptures, and and I'm going to make a plan. Wednesday night we had this really cool um, small group up at the the uh, up in Rosendale up on Metropolitan Hill. And uh, we were working with some people, and, uh, man, I had a, just a really cool time. It, it just got to this point we were talking about just getting into the scriptures, and they all wanted to, and I said, all right, well, let me be honest. We talked about that last week. Who got in the scriptures? And, and this brand new group, and, you know, just some of them aren't even believers yet, and they just looked around, and they're like, I said, it's okay. Did you get in the scriptures? And they're like, no. And I'm like, well, I'm not mad at you, but I just want to tell you, we've got to make a plan. And so you know what we did is we took these little red tabs that just kind of sparked in my head. I have these little red tabs in the, my Bible, and I'm always marking verses. And I just started pulling them out. I'm like, all right, open your Bible. And I'd given them these Bibles that some of you have that we get back here and we give away to you. And I said, open it up. Open it up to Luke. Put the loop. The, put the tab on there. Like, all right. I said, you're starting there. I said, don't tell me you're going to read a chapter if you've never read a verse, right? So don't say, I'm, tomorrow I'm going to wake up, I'm going to read a chapter of scripture. I said, let's read like three sentences. Can we start there? Can we start there? And they're like, all right. And, and we did it, right? And, and I said, here's the other thing. I see every week, because we're in this one particular lady's apartment, I said, every week I see you put the, the Bible right here by your TV. I said, let's not put it right here. Here's the plan. I said, we're not going to put it under the, the stand here. We're going to put it on top of your TV. <laughs> so this guy's going to look you in the face every time you're looking at, you know, Pat Sajak, right, on Wheel of Fortune. This guy's also looking at back at you, right? And so they're like, that's really good. <laughs> and so we, listen, we developed a plan. It was simple for some, some, some simple ladies, and it was great. And, and I just want to say, listen, make a plan. And don't be overzealous with your plan. Like, don't say tomorrow I'm an hour in the Bible. An hour in the Bible. I heard this story. I thought this was awesome. So this guy asked, he, he, he had a trainer. And, uh, at the gym. And this guy was just just ripped. And can I, I I don't know why I'm talking about pectoral muscles tonight, but I am. (laughs) This guy had, according to the man, he said, this guy had pectoral muscles to die for, right? This guy was jacked, okay? He said, so I asked this guy, what's the secret? I mean, what's the secret to these pecs? And he goes, here's the secret. One push-up a day. That's stupid. That's a lie. What are you talking about? One push-up a day he said seriously one push-up a day that's my commitment he goes all right what's the catch he goes i get on the floor and i do one push-up he said but listen 99 percent of the battle is just getting myself on the floor he says once i'm down doing one push-up i do more (laughs) i always do more and and i think likewise i'm going to tell you listen don't say i'm going to spend an hour in the scriptures just say i'm going to read the little paragraph here tomorrow that's my plan right and, and maybe don't even say I'm going to do it seven days a week. I'm just going to say three times this week. I just want to read a paragraph so you're not bogged down with shame. God doesn't want to bog you down with shame. He says, congratulations, that was more than nothing the week prior, right? And so I'm just going to get into I'm going to read this. And then what you'll find, as I find so often, is half of it is just sitting down on my sofa and opening up the Bible, and then I find I'm here, and I read on and I grow. And so, guys, I'm just challenging. Make a plan. It's very simple. I say it this way: the the W's, right? What, when, where, right? What What are you going to read? What What do you, you want to open up to in the scriptures, right? Don't start with Leviticus if you've never read the Bible before, right? Start in Mark, Luke, somewhere you know realistic, right? And then say, okay, what am I going to do it? When am I going to do it, right? Like if you something's important to you, you make a date, right? That person you've always wanted to ask you out, when they ask you out, you're like, oh, where's my, where's my phone? And you're marking it very quickly because you don't want to miss it, right? Make a date. Right? For me, it's before the kids get up, I'm, I'm in the scriptures. Because if I miss that window, it's not happening, right? Make a date, right? And then where? right? If it's, if it's um, you know, 8 o'clock at night, you know, in front of TV is probably not a good place to do it, right? Where am I going to sit down and this becomes my spot? Guys, it's so simple. I'm not giving you some kind of profound where you're just going to be leaving with your mind spinning, I just want to say, make a plan, get into the scripture, look into it, and if you want to persevere, you've got to have a plan and it's going to change you. It's going to, it's going to change you because you're beholding the Lord in the scripture. And so, and some of you today, you need to leave saying, I'm going to make a plan. I'm going to make a plan. I'm just going to get into the scriptures. And I just want to call you that. Maybe you need to take the back of your river guide, and there's a bunch of lines there, and say, I'm going to write something down when I get home. I'm just going to come up with a three-line plan. Bullet one, where, bullet two, what, and, and just do it, right? Some of you in here, maybe you are reading the scriptures, and I just want to encourage you, can you lean in some more? Can you lean in some more? I mean, can we just not be content, right? I think we need to be content, right, in that we are content with what God has given us, but we should never be content in where we're at in our faith. We should always want to grow. We should always want to be more conformed into Christ's likeness And so wherever you're at, even if you're doing well compared to your neighbors, lean in more and, and, and challenge yourself in that. And some of you in here, maybe here's where you're at tonight. You're still like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm very skeptical about this whole Jesus thing. And you know what? Here's, here's what happens for so many people. They don't get Jesus. They have a couple questions. And so what happens? See ya. And they, they're out of here. And, and you know what Jesus calls us to do? Jeremiah 29, 13, he says this. God says this. He says, if you seek me, you will find me. That's about, a, about as clear of a promise as you can, you can get from the Lord. He says, if you search for me with all of your heart. And so some people are like, well, you know, I tried the Jesus thing. I sought him. What does seeking him mean? Just showing up to church a couple times? That's not seeking him. He says, if you search for me with all of your heart, I mean, you're really like, listen, his claims are huge, that that without him you are perishing, and so if, if that's true, I want to find out, I mean, I need to search this, so he says, if you seek me, you will find me if you search for me with all of your heart, so man, let this be your pursuit that, hey, I need to figure out if this is real or not, I'm going to lean into this, and I'm just going to, I really want to investigate this this Jesus, I want to understand. And so, man, wherever you're at, I think it's very important that you don't let this, this ancient book that so many people have claimed to change their lives, this ancient truth that, you know, the truth in here marks our calendar, right? I mean, we mark our calendar by this thing. I mean, this has changed the world, right? Has yet to be proven false, right? And so you should at least give it a look. We should all really lean into it. Now... There's really one last thing I just want to leave us with. We're leaving with the plan, but can I show you one last thing? That as you press into the scriptures, here's what you're going to find. Check this out. Um, Look at James chapter 1, verse 25. James chapter 1, verse 25, one more time. And I want to parallel it to 2 Corinthians 3. It says this. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres. Being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his his doing. I don't think there's a coincidence um, that in this verse, talking about the mirror, that it makes a specific point to point out liberty, right? We go back over to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, kind of our theme verse. You know what it says, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17? It says, now the, the, the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So in both of these passages, they both talk about looking at the Lord as your mirror who reflects back to you who you can be in Him, what your future is in Him. It is so greater than you ever imagined in Him. It also says there's freedom. Because listen, some of us are, are enchained to life figuring out what's next, what's next. God, you know, I, I, who am I going to be? What, what am I going to do with my life? And for us, it's like, it's, it's bondage. And he says, listen, you are going to find freedom. Freedom when you look to God. You're going to find liberty when you look to God and say, God, not my plan, not my will, but your will. Tell me who I can be in you. And that's freeing because you don't have to order your steps. God orders your steps. God orders your life. There's freedom in that. And I want to leave tonight saying, I I got a plan. I want to press into the word. And listen, as you press into the scriptures, you find freedom as you find your future, your life in the Lord. And so leave chewing on that tonight. Man, let me pray for you guys and we'll go out of here committed to this stuff. God, we love you. Lord, we thank you so much for this night. God, we thank you for the truths that we've seen, that we have been called to behold you. And as we behold you, we will be changed, that we will no longer be just one who just kind of casually hears it. I've, I've heard it, I've bumped into the truth from time to time, but we will. Become doers of the word as we really lean in and look intently into your perfect law. We will be changed, God. So change us, Lord. And may we find freedom in the fact that you show us who we can be. You order our steps. You order our future. God, I pray for every single person in this room right now. You know where they're at. You know what they need to hear. And so God, speak to their hearts as they leave. Really give them just a focused, focused um, conviction tonight from your scriptures. God, if there's anybody in this room tonight who they don't know Jesus, they've never stuck it between the teeth, put faith in Jesus, and maybe you're just tugging on their heart right now, this is it. You just, you've implanted the word, the gospel truth, you've implanted faith into their hearts, or may they respond to you right now and say, yes, Jesus. I, I recognize what you've done, that you have come to life to earth to live a life that I couldn't live, to die the death I deserve and to resurrect to life victorious over Satan, sin and death on my behalf and I trust in you may they just call out to you right now